You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. What I say, what I do, and then thirdly, specifically, the gospel message. Nobody's ever going to get saved just from seeing me being different, living different. They're only going to be saved if I, because they see something different about me. Why? Well, I don't understand. What is it about your family? What is it about your kids? What is it about your life? What is it about the way you work? Well, I'll tell you what it is. It's Jesus. There's a popular phrase that's been passed around the Christian community that goes something like, preach the gospel and, when necessary, use words. While it's true that your actions and lifestyle are a reflection of the gospel and a vital part of demonstrating the grace and transforming power of God, as Pastor Danny reminds us in today's message, we can't share the gospel without words. The world needs to hear the beautiful name of the one who secured our salvation. Now here's Pastor Danny in Revelation chapter 10 with part two of today's message, A Witness for Christ in a Wicked World. In Elijah's ministry, he had power sometimes that actually would cause fire to consume his enemies. That's what these two witnesses have. Then verse 6, these men have power to shut up the sky so that it will not rain during the time that they are prophesying. Another thing Elijah was allowed to do, he prayed that it would not rain. And it didn't rain for three and a half years. You go on, and they have power to turn the waters into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they want. Those of us who know the Bible at all, in the Old Testament, in the early stories, you know about Moses, the ten plagues, the Nile turned to blood, the flies, the gnats, the frogs. All the plagues. So these two witnesses have ministries similar to Moses and Elijah. Is it Moses and Elijah? I don't know. I think one of them very likely is literally Elijah. Because remember, Elijah did not die. He went up in chariots of fire in a whirlwind of fire, and he has not experienced physical death yet. Interesting, too, even though Moses died, it says God buried him, and nobody knows where he's buried. And very fascinating scripture in that little letter just prior to the book of 
Revelation. Jude, verse 9, even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, the devil wanted Moses' body. Did not dare bring a slanderous accusation against him, but he said, the Lord rebuke you. So we could go on, but look, two witnesses. Is it really Elijah? I don't know. Is it Moses uh, come back from the dead? I don't know. But they have ministries like Moses and Elijah. Now, verse 7. When they have finished their testimony, the beast that comes up from the abyss will attack them and overpower and kill them. This is Antichrist filled with Satan, empowered and motivated by hell. When they finish their testimony. I could do a whole message on this, not going to, obviously. Do you know that until my testimony and the plan God has for my life to be a witness here, until God is through with me, nobody can kill me. But it's the same for you. When God protects us. Now, if you go and do something stupid, then it's not God's fault. I mean, to say, well, then I just go walk right out in front of US 19 on a busy day. No, you're dead. And you're stupid. <laughs> but if my, if my motive is to please God, if my desire is to be a witness for God, until my ministry is through, nobody can kill me. How many times do you read in the gospel accounts that Jesus slipped through their hands because it was not yet his time? It was not yet his time. So when they finish their testimony, the beast that comes up from the abyss will attack them, overpower, and kill them. Now catch this. Their bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which is figuratively called Sodom and Egypt, where also their Lord was crucified. So we know that's Jerusalem. For three and a half days, men from every people, tribe, language, and nation will gaze on their dead bodies and refuse them burial. The inhabitants of the earth will gloat over them and will celebrate by sending each other gifts because these two prophets had tormented those who live on the earth. Who did they torment? Specifically, who did they torment? Their enemies. Who are their enemies? Those who reject what they have to say. Those who reject what they stand for, and more importantly, who they stand for. This is the first worldwide anti-Christmas. And it's going to happen. It's going to happen. God will have two choice witnesses in this time just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. And they will, from Jerusalem, speak truth, share the gospel, live lives like Jesus lived, not absolutely perfect like Jesus, but living a life like his that will convict. But people will reject their message, people will reject their Savior, and people will reject 
what they stand for. But they are God's chosen. The first anti-Christmas. The world will be rejoicing. These guys are dead, and they're going to gloat over them. And men from every tribe, people, language, and nation will gaze on their bodies. We know how that's going to happen. If you read this 100 years ago, you'd have been going, how in the world will people all over the world gaze on these dead men and their bodies? It's going to be on every major network. It's going to be front page news all around the world. Because these guys are dead. The world is rejoicing. Now they can't do any harm anymore. I love verse 11. But after three and a half days, a breath of life from God entered them. And they stood on their feet. And terror struck those who saw them. They're probably going, we should have buried these guys. (laughs) Then they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come up here. And that's the best three words they've ever heard in their whole life. (laughs) Come up here. Okay. (laughs) Beam us up. Get us out of here. And God does. And they went up to heaven in a cloud while their enemies looked on. This is one of the coolest scriptures in all the Bible for me. I just love it. Take that. See you later, punk. (laughs) Go ahead. Make my day. (laughs) I just love it. At that very hour, there was a severe earthquake. A tenth of the city collapsed. Jerusalem. 7,000 people were killed in the earthquake. And the survivors were terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. Some commentators note that giving glory to the God of heaven does not mean that they receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. I'm just going to let that lie. I don't know. Verse 14, the second woe has passed. The third woe is coming soon. This would be trumpets 5, 6, and 7. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven which said, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who were seated on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was, because you've taken your great power and have begun to reign. The nations were angry, and your wrath has come. The time has come for judging the dead and for rewarding your servants, the prophets, and your saints, and those who reverence your name, both small and great, and for destroying those who destroy the earth. Just a little quick note. That goes beyond tree hugger issues. Okay, so if you're a tree hugger, don't use that verse for your campaign. They're destroying the earth because of their greed, their lust for power, Antichrist and his masses 
and the, the, the absolute holocaust, if you will, for destroying those who destroy the earth. And then God's temple in heaven was open. And within his temple was seen the ark of his covenant. The ark of his covenant represents the power and the presence of God for his redeemed people. Flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and a great hailstorm. And it's not a movie, and it's not Hollywood. It's real stuff. It's the two-minute warning. The game is almost up. And we win. What a contrast in scenes. The world has been pummeled with one judgment after another, and all the wild truth and the way of salvation has been proclaimed. But the world rejects the truth, rejects Jesus. Not only rejects Jesus, they are anti-Jesus. So much so that the two choice witnesses in this time, when they are killed, the world throws the first anti-Christmas party. But the rejoicing in their party and their anti-Christmas gift-giving is short-lived because these guys are resurrected, sent back to heaven, their home, and then judgments continue to fall. As we move closer and closer to the end of this present age and the second coming of Jesus Christ, men's hatred toward truth, their rejection of truth, and their rejection of Jesus Christ and all he stands for and who he is will increase. And I don't know where you live, but in the world I live in, that's what I'm seeing. It's an increase in an absolute rejection of truth. When I say truth, I'm talking about take any truth, any truth. There's a significance in this book. Husbands. The husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. Wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. You preach that kind of stuff in our world and people go, what, are you so old-fashioned? No, I'm relevant to truth. I read the Proverbs. And the Proverbs are so clear to me about disciplining your child. And there is no such thing as time out in the scriptures. There is a take them to the woodshed and put the rod of correction to the seat of learning. But you preach that and teach that and proclaim that in our day. And it's not accepted. Not only is it not accepted, you could get in trouble. But it's truth. And if we buy into it, it'd save our kids. At least from the world's way of doing things. One of the things that was obvious to me at middle school camp. Please don't take this wrong. I'm not trying to single anybody out. One of our lady leaders had a whole bag full of prescription drugs. 
for middle schoolers. And I'm just going, maybe some of them need it, but I'm wondering, do all of them really need these prescription drugs? What is wrong with our church? Are we buying into the world's ways? You say, where are you getting all that from the scripture you just gave us? I was excited until that point because you should have ended right there when you said we win. And then I'd go away encouraged. But here's what the Lord really, really drove home to me. In this chapter, never before has he driven this particular point home in this chapter. But it's there. It's there. It's a living book. So you can read it the next time. It doesn't have a different meaning, but it can speak to you in a different way. Doesn't have a different meaning. But it hit you here last time. It hit you here this time. Two witnesses. Two witnesses. They are witnesses of truth in a wicked world. In a world that they are rejected in terms of what they say, in terms of what they believe, in terms of who they follow, in terms of being disciples of Jesus Christ, and yet they are witnesses. They are witnesses. Why? Because God loves these people. And if they would only acknowledge you're speaking truth, you're living truth, you represent truth, and you represent the way to salvation. Here's what I felt strongly led to do is to spend at least another Sunday on this chapter. And let's talk about being a witness. And I'm going to set it up for you, but I'll give you the three areas, and whether we'll cover it next week in one Sunday, we might, we might, but I'm willing to do two Sundays. As I thought about it scripturally, there are three ways we are to be witnesses for God and for Christ in this world. Three ways. By what we speak by how we live, and specifically by the gospel. Let me go over those again, and we'll cover them in detail next Sunday. What we speak in terms of what we believe. Do I believe what the Bible says of how my marriage should be? Do I believe the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church? And as a wife, a Christian wife, do I believe that I'm to submit to my husband as unto the Lord? And what does that mean? How am I to raise my children? How am I to be at my work? So, so what I believe, what I believe, what I believe, what I speak as truth. And am I willing to say, this is what I believe based on the Bible, right? This is what I believe. And you're going to speak truth and you're going to share truth with people. Second, how I live. Now, I hope you understand sometimes what we speak, if, if we don't live it, that's called hypocrisy. Say, I believe this, but I'm not living it. And the world sees that. And that's called hypocrisy. And what happens there? Your witness is deluded. Your witness, you don't have a witness. Jesus said to his disciples, do what the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, do what they say to do, but don't do what they do because they don't practice what they preach. They don't practice what they preach. What I say, what I do, and then thirdly, specifically, the gospel message. Nobody's ever going to get saved just from seeing me being different, living different. They're only going to be saved if I, because they see something different about me. Why, why don't I don't understand. What is it about your family? What is it about your kids? What is it about your life? What is it about the way you work? Well, I'll tell you what it is. It's Jesus. And at a point in time, I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And he saved my soul. You see, he died on the cross for all of us. Because we're all sinners. And however you share it. But you share Jesus and you share the gospel. And that's how people get saved. 
Let me leave you with this. Those are three areas we're going to talk about specifically. But if we're going to be a faithful witness, there's some prerequisites just generally. And you know what they are? I'll give them to you quickly. You got to be willing to be unpopular. If you want to fit in, if you want to, if you don't want people to make fun of you or talk about you, or whatever, then you, you'll never be a witness for Jesus Christ. You'll never be. You got to willing to be, you got to be willing to be unpopular. You go to a Christian school and I'll tell you what, in a Christian school, there are people who live for the Lord and there are people who don't. Guess what? In the church, there are people who live for the Lord and the people who don't. And if you're really worth your salt, you're going to have to be willing to be unpopular. Second, you're going to have to have a fear of God more than a fear of death. Now, I know the world we live in, most of us will never have to face what these two witnesses faced. But are we willing to? Are we willing to? Some people say, well, I'm willing to die for him. Yeah, but are you living for him? Well, if you're not living for him, you're not willing to die for him. A fear of God more than a fear of death. Third, you're going to have to, and this is my challenge every day of my life, and I know you can relate to it. It's keep that eternal, heavenly mindset. Get your head in the clouds. What a perspective. As you read Revelation 11, and you see the great contrast of what's happening on earth versus what's happening in heaven. And I live, spiritually speaking, in heaven. That's where my citizenship is. I have a temporary residence in South St. Pete, but my real home. I'm not trying to just be spiritual or dramatic or excited. I'm telling you, my real home is heaven. And if you know Jesus, that's your home. And one day... Your earthly life and your earthly marriage and your earthly relationship with your kids is going to be over, and we're all going to have a brand new relationship in heaven. And it's going to be forever and ever and ever and ever. And every day I try to get that mindset, and it's such a challenge. It's you, you live in the world and you do things in the world. You got to be responsible as a family member and a father and all those kind of things. But, but yet, Never forget, never forget, this is just not my home. I'm just passing through. And last but not least, because you have that heavenly mindset, maintain the perspective that no matter what happens to me in this life, I am more than a conqueror. In the end, we win. We win. We win. And we're going to live in a world where there'll never be any more persecution, never never any more insult, never any more whatever the world wants to throw at us. I mean, it's, it's amazing. We got the best deal in all the universe. And you look at other people, and they got more money than you, and they seem to be doing things more than you, and you want to do it, and they, and you know, they get the girl, and you don't get the girl. Whatever it is, you need to just go, wait a minute, wait a minute. In the end, they lose. They get it just for this little snippet of time. And we get it forever, forever, forever. Isn't that cool?
The book of Revelation isn't a pleasant book to study. It lays out for you the end of the world as you know it right now, and the devastation that will be falling on the world is overwhelming, and it can make you ache for the people who will have to endure it. It can also make you long for everyone you know to seek and find Jesus right now. Only He can save the people of the world from this terrible end and His grace is available right now to everyone. Today, let Jesus bring to mind those friends, family, and even acquaintances that you can be praying for and actively sharing His gospel message with. We know this isn't an easy task, so we'd like to support you in prayer. Please email us at info at ccfstpete.church. We're so glad you tuned in today to The Living Word. Pastor Danny will continue this verse-by-verse study of Revelation in our next edition of The Living Word. But right now, you can hear more by visiting our website, ccfstpete.church. There you'll also learn more about Pastor Danny and the church these messages originate from, Calvary Chapel Fellowship. We'd love to meet you, so if you're in the area, please come join us for one of our weekend services. We gather each Saturday and Sunday to worship the Lord and learn from His Word, and we'd be honored to share that time with you. Be sure to stop Pastor Danny and let him know that you're a listener. You'll find all the information you need at ccfstpete.church. That's all we have for today. Tune in next time for more from the book of Revelation, right here on The Living Word. 